Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 103 of Lesbians You Write. This week's topic is handling emotions. Do you feel the love when you're writing? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the emotional basket case that is T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I can't believe you're going to make me discuss emotions. They're so squishy. (laughs) Squishy emotions. Yeah, emotions are hard for me. Uh, one of my exes told me I was an iceberg, where I just kept like 90% of my emotions just under wraps, and then I would explode. So, um, sadly, that relationship did not work. <laughs> it's very healthy, according to my therapist. <laughs> very healthy and very good. Very good for writing fiction, too. So your, your, characters, your characters feel all the emotions, then. Oh, absolutely. Especially for romance, where you really have to have all the feels. It's yep. very... It's a, it's a, a simple fit for me, emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's your week been this week? Has it been emotional? Well, it's been. This has been a, not a fun week on this side. As I mentioned in the last episode, I launched uh, the love project. My co-write with Miranda McLeod. So I'm in launch mode, which involves a lot of stuff. But on top of that, I have a very tight editing deadline, and so I am knee deep in Earl's Court novella, which officially has a title now but i'm not going to share it yet but i know the title and i will say one of our most recent episodes helped me come up with the title oh now you've got my interest piqued well you're just gonna have to wait you're just gonna have to wait but um you're such a tease you're playing with my emotions tb already i know i know but i have a very tight uh deadline and i'm launching a book so i don't envision uh, me leaving my office much over the next seven days is going to be not a fun time. And then I have a couple days after this tight editing deadline to empty my brain as much as I can. Well, it's probably pretty empty anyway up there. But um, And then I have to turn my focus to my next book on my writing schedule, which is Miracle Girl 3. I, for some reason, have a block about this book. I don't know why. I love the main character, JJ. I love the main character in the Miracle Girl, but every time I try to turn my focus to the third book in the series, um, my brain shuts down. So I, I imagine it's going to be very emotional for the next few uh, weeks on the podcast. We oh. might have to do some writing therapy, like on the fly. Maybe we'll have to do some meditation to uh, get all your emotions in, in set and do it with me out with anger, in with love. I'm not- I'm not very good at that stuff. I remember one time one of my therapists, I've had a few therapists, <laughs> but one time my therapist, she sent me to something called like, I think it was called like biofeedback or something, or like basically where I went into this room with a bunch of other people and this woman led us through this thing where I had to pretend I was a tree and I could feel like the sunlight and I could feel like my toes were like digging into the dirt and I'm sitting in like this like lounging chair with a bunch of people I've never fucking met and everyone, I'm looking around as she's walking us through this I'm looking around and everyone's acting like they're like a fucking tree and I'm just like I don't understand what this is why do I have to feel like a tree and it it ended up stressing me out even more it was supposed to de-stress me and when I told my therapist how I was reacting she's like okay so that's not for you (laughs) so I don't know if I can meditate you see whereas I love being a tree it's one of my favorite meditations really yeah I I don't understand I don't feel the sunlight on my limbs I'm sorry I love feeling the sunlight (laughs) 
Do you like dig your toes into the carpet? Like yeah. the third of the room? Yeah. Really? No. No, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I just want to reiterate, um, for authors of lesbian fiction, you have two days left. The deadline to enter the iHeart uh, Lesbic Mega Sale for March is March 2nd. So if you're listening to this on March 1st when it goes out, um, get me the details so you can take part in the sale. Um, the sale is usually uh, a big hit on iHeart Lesbic. It gets a lot of um, a lot of uh, interest from readers, So and it's a lot of fun. And it's kind of fun on my end to watch this, this the stats on my um, IHL dashboard to just, like, explode. It's a lot of work, so now that I am finishing up Earl's Court and pondering how to handle the JJ series, I have to manage a few hundred books for the sale. No stress. I should really master this. I feel like a tree thing. You should. You should. Being a tree would would make you feel better. And you've got a team this time, so... I do. I do have a team. It's not all on me this time. But um, I just don't get the tree thing. Like, literally, you do this. You're not, you're not, like, fucking with me. You literally do this as a meditation. I mean, I do, it's not one that I'm doing at the moment, but I have done it in the past, yeah. And it relaxes you. Yeah. I quite like feeling my sort of roots flowing out from my toes and, like, out through my house and out into my town. Yeah. I just kept thinking when I was sitting in that chair, like, what is defective with me? Because everyone else looks relaxed and I am stressing out and my heart rate is through the roof. Trees are not for you. I love trees. I just don't want to be one. <laughs> That's what's going on over here. How about you? What's going on in uh, London? Is it is it warming up at all? Cool, blimey London tan. I'm walking around in me app, app with me apples and pears and me pearly kings and queens in it. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, over in London, uh, things are going well. I am carrying on with uh, my London book eight, Big London Dreams. And I think I've mentioned this before, but my uh, two protagonists meet in a um, garment factory. So they're both sewing machinists in a garment factory just off Oxford Street, uh, which my mum was. So I'm basing the job on her, uh, not not the two women. My mum wasn't a lesbian, to my knowledge. It's bringing back to me, like, I'm sort of going into the details of being a sewing machinist, right? And it's bringing back to me what a shit machinist I was for a very brief time during my sewing lessons at school. So I don't know if, like, you know, when I was, like, 12, 11, 12, 13, we had to do sewing at school. And I remember I had to make an A-line cerise pink skirt. And I was not interested and someone was trying to make me make a skirt I was never going to fucking wear. So you can imagine how I was, right, TB? Was it like me trying to imagine on my tree? Pretty much like that, yeah. Um, but so I, what I used to do was see my mum is a very accomplished needlewoman and a machinist. And she always had a machine out in my childhood. So I just used to take it home for her and give it to her. Because it would take her five minutes to do my homework. Whereas it would take me forever. And she would always look at my sewing and go, oh, hmm. And then she would just do it. And then my teacher, I, she, she knew what was happening. But what's the point? I'd love to know how to sew now, but... Machines just scared me a little bit. It wasn't for me. Is this when your mom figured out that maybe you weren't, like, you know, all that feminine, that maybe you might be a dyke because <laughs> your um your sewing was so subpar? I'm not sure that disliking a cerise pink A-line skirt means I'm not feminine, you know. I'm, I, I just think it means I've got taste. That's why my mum figured out I'm a fashion icon. I'm not sure what cerise pink, what colour that is. I'm terrible with colours. Oh, it's really light. It's, like, really deep pink that's rock, not neon but it's almost like sort of reddish pink and it was very popular in the late 80s when I was sewing it. 
Well, the color the color scheme in the late eighties was all very bright. Yeah, electric yeah. electric blue, cerise pink, jade green. There you go. My wardrobe. Were you like cutting out the, like the um, collar of your sweatshirt to have it like go over one side with mm. all a uh, flash dance? I wasn't that cool. No. Uh, me either. No. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out how to be a tree. <laughs> But anyway, so I am realising I would be a terrible machinist, but the two in the story are going well. But I will say this one thing. So I think I told you I have put the uh, book up for pre-order, which is going um, well. People are pre-ordering on Amazon, so that's all good. But then I was looking to see, uh, where do I find out if it's been pre-ordered on Apple as well? Because that's the only other site that can I can put it up without putting a manuscript up. So it's on, on Amazon and Apple. And I couldn't find it, so I emailed the Drafter Digital and asked them, and they said, oh, well, um, yeah, you can see here on this page here, it was pretty darn obvious, I just hadn't looked enough. Um, but the other thing was, they said, actually, you've made a mistake and you might want to go back and uh, redo your pre-order because I think you might be confusing your readers. When you upload a book and then you upload the next one in the series at the same time, the trick is to call them different books and not call them the same book. So I had my pre-order up on Apple Books as Hot London Nights, even though the cover said Big London Dreams. So it's a good job I asked, you know, what, how, how you figure out the pre-orders because I'd fucked up the pre-order on, on Apple Books. It's like your writing angel is looking after you and be like, I'm not going to show you where the fucking <laughs> dashboard is, even though it's like this bright big button in front of you because you need to reach these people and figure out how you fucked this up. There you go. My writing angel was, was watching over me. So um, it's now sorted. So if you did go to Apple Books and you were like, wow, I really want to pre-order that book, Oh, but it's called the same thing. Is that the right book? It's all fixed now. The other thing I did... So do you think people who purchased Hot London Nights purchased the wrong Hot London Nights? And they're like, why isn't this book showing up? Well, I don't think they would have done because the cover says Big London Dreams. And there's no book. You can't actually buy it. It's not for sale. <laughs> but maybe some of them did. I don't know. <laughs> Difficult to say. Anyway, the other thing I did this week was I applied for a BookBub featured deal, which I haven't done for a little while. So I did apply for it for London Calling. Uh, for those of you who don't know, BookBub featured deal, you discount your book and they've got like a massive database of LGBT plus, LGBTQ plus readers and then they send your book out and you pay them money to do that, uh, to send it to their mailing list. So um, I did try for London Calling because uh, my next book in the London series has just come out, so I thought it'd be good um, to do that. I was turned down for that. You you won't get every single one you apply for. So if you don't get the one you apply for, try again. I probably get one in three. Um, I then applied again for twice in a lifetime and I got one for that. So that is actually out this week uh, on March the 5th. They're good to do in intermittently. Their effect isn't as massive as it used to be, but the effect is still there. So um, I think it's good to do intermittently. And it'll, you'll always get people who've never read your books before, and then they'll go on to read other ones once they've read that 99p or 99 cents one. So it's good to do. And also, sometimes they'll follow you on BookBub. So when you release yes. a new book, they will send out a new release alert, and it just goes into more um, inboxes for email. So it's a good thing to do. But yeah. I do miss the days when it was so much fun because you would get such a big spike and it was fun to watch your dashboard, but it's still good. It's still good. It's still I wonder what the difference you. was, though. Yeah, I mean, I have got numbers. I've got numbers from every book I've ever run, so uh, I can I can tell you next time, if you like, after this one's run. Well, I, I was just wondering, like, why they accepted one and not the other. Like, is oh, it I, see. On I see. The is it just on the mood of the person? Like, or, or did you catch them before they got like their morning croissant and they were just in a bad mood? And they're like, "Fuck no, clear lighted." Uh uh. 
and then the next day you're like i just had a muffin but like, oh my god she's the best <laughs> it could well be that it could be muffin gate tv um it could also be though that uh london calling has been uh featured on the as a featured deal probably three or four times already so maybe but it was two years ago that it was featured so i thought it was long enough but maybe they were like no only books that haven't been featured before today so who knows uh, i'm going with muffin muffin gate. make me feel better muffin gate. Much more when you <laughs> if you really muffin. if you really want to get a book bug featured deal just send them a batch of muffins to their hq in boston in fact they're in boston you could you could take one in Not, well yeah if i could leave my flat <laughs> which i can't <laughs> um the other thing i'm doing at the moment is uh that's keeping me sane as well is watching rupaul's drag race uk which is great entertainment. Uh, I do love a bit of RuPaul's Drag Race, and um, they've got some great backstories in this in this one. And they did have to actually stop the, this series of it uh, because of COVID. So the, they had like about four rounds. Um, so about four drag queens got eliminated, and then they had to stop the series for eight months. And then they because of COVID, and then invite, invited them all back. So I think it start restarted again this week. So interesting times. Wow, that is a cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. And the other thing. Uh, and this made me laugh when I realised it. So you know we we spent two episodes and I was telling you about Call My Agent, the fantastic French series that I'm watching that's brilliant. And that they kept saying, Je suis désolé. And I, Which is not, I'm sad. No, it's not, I'm sad. <laughs> Which is what I realised this week. Because <laughs> they kept saying, Je suis désolé. And then I realised that it actually means I'm sorry, not I'm sad. So apologies to all you French listeners out there, French Canadians, French Belgians, anybody who speaks French. Uh, but I do still love Je suis désolé, but apparently, je, according to Google, I am sad is Je suis triste. Yes, I realized that when I was writing the blurb for that because I was trying to figure out how to spell it. Because um, it was one of the main themes of like two episodes. We really played this one up, and then I was like, I don't know if you noticed in the blurb where I said, you know, Claire can't stay, can't say, or stop saying this. But I'm pretty sure the hosts don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> because we did it. Because when I when I typed in it, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. That's kind of different. <laughs> so to all the French speakers out there, just be désolé. <laughs> But I'm still loving Call My Agent, so um, if you haven't got into that, highly recommended. Right, let's go with comments, comment monitor, what you got? Alright, first up we have Susie who listens to our podcast and enjoys it, and also Susie is on your art team, so go Susie. Go Susie. And then we had a comment from Wendy, which was, um, I had mentioned in a, most, in a recent episode of Pro Writing Aid, and I mentioned that I used it on an email, and Wendy's encouraging me to give pro writing aid another chance because um wendy enjoys the program and i have actually even before getting this email i did use it on my most recent book the love project not for the final edit obviously i used the professional editor but um i did run it through before and it kind of made the editing process a bit smoother hopefully for my editor wendy wants to know if either one of us has used fictionary have you heard of fictionary i haven't no Fictionary, I guess, was invented by a developmental fiction editor to help. And so you can load it for free or whatever, and it works through, like, I'm not 100, since I haven't done it, but I'm not 100% positive I'm, I'm explaining this right, but it goes through, like, 37 different story elements. So 
I just thought I would uh, mention that because Wendy suggested it, and and if there are uh, authors who are looking for something along those aids, I mean, the pro writing aid is more about like the actual grammar part, but this sounds more like the developmental part. So yeah. I thought I would throw it out there. Okay, never heard of Fictionary, so I'll have to look it up. And Wendy also is a fan of the podcast, so thank you very much for writing us. Yeah, what about what about you? Besides finding out that we have no idea what French is. <laughs> <laughs> Again, je suis désolée. Um, I've got some comments from Instagram from our episode 100 little shout out that I did, and lots of people giving us love. So thank you, everybody who did that. They included uh, skipper.ca, so congratulations, as did SW Anderson, another lesbic author, too. So thank you both very much. Sarah Florence said the podcast brightens her week and it's been an amazing 100 episodes. So thank you, Sarah. And Kate Adams said we're also always worth a listen. We're always worth a listen, TB. Um, a Paper Life said they're binging in Canada up to episode 30 and we're better than Netflix. Wow. I know. I don't, I'm not on Netflix. Does that mean all the shows on Netflix are pretty shite right now, or has everyone just run out of Netflix after this year? <laughs> no, we're better than Netflix. I'm taking it. Uh, Bonjour Le Monde. Uh, on on uh, Instagram now, bonjour le monde. I don't know if that means that you speak French, but if so, je suis désolée. Um, she <laughs> said, congratulations, and she wants more F-bombs from UTB. If I start dropping more F-bombs, are you going to say, je suis désolée? <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my thing. Um, Can you learn how to say, I'm sincerely sorry for TB, I can't control her in French? <laughs> that's a bit much. Um Florida KC says she loves the show and also TB, she loves the blurbs. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, I get a blurb mention. Usually it's your silky accent, but I finally get some blurbs. Somebody's loving your blurbs. I'm not sure how to say this, but I think Sega Hiss author says loves the podcast. So um, thank you very much to everybody who commented on that. Um, it was lovely to feel your love. Yes, thank you very much. We do appreciate all the listeners sticking with us through very difficult times. So I know uh, not everyone is still listening to podcasts, but for those of you who are, we really appreciate you. Tell your friends. Tell your family. You know, they don't have to be lesbian fiction authors. We're better than Netflix. That should be our tagline. That, that should be our tagline. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, we don't know French. <laughs> We, don't, we do not know French. Fucking hell, we don't know French. Right, let's get on to the topic at hand, which is handling emotions. Do you feel the love when you're writing? TB, do you feel the love when you're writing? As I, as I we, you know, started this episode, um, emotions are, I always call them very squishy. They're very hard for me. And especially my first drafts, they're like, <laughs> there's like no feels in them. My first draft is kind of like, um, I'm, I'm figuring out, I think we were talking last week where you you like to pants 10K and then you stop and then you go back and you um, outline it. I think my process is I write, I dump a first draft really quickly and I call it a first draft, but it's more like a really detailed outline. <laughs> so it's kind of like insert feelings here. <laughs> Getting a book, one of the things you want when you when someone reads a book is they want to have all the feels. So what does that mean? Have all the feels for a book. And that means when you're describing certain things, it could be love, it could be something else emotional. Obviously I'm really struggling with emotions as you can tell. That's why I really should become a tree. <laughs> I need to get in touch with that. But um it's when readers can 
they're, when they're like, yes, I, I've been there, I can feel it, I know what this um, character is going through, and they kind of go through the emotions with the characters. And it is not an easy thing to do. Now, I know you said um, the intro is, have I felt the love? This will not shock you, Claire, but my example is not about love. <laughs> I went dark for my example. I, I, I've got my non-shocked face on, can you tell? Yeah, yeah, she's just like, whatever, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a task and you just were like, fuck you, I'm not doing it, I'm doing it this way. <laughs> this is Claire's expression every time when we... We go on different, we verge off different paths. But um, in one of the books, like, I think one of the times I felt the feelings the most in a book was when I was writing um, Confessions from the Dark. It's book two in my confession series. I wrote this book right after um, my dog died. And I there is a death in this book. Now, it's not a pet. Um, but when I was writing this book, I think it was one of the ways, because as I've mentioned, I can kind of hold in my emotions, but one of the ways where I do get my emotions out is by writing, and I think this was part of my grieving process, so I wrote this book, and um, man, yeah, I really felt that book. I really felt those emotions. There was a lot of Kleenex involved, um, and there's, there's a reason the book is called Confessions from the Dark, because it is a dark story. It probably wasn't what was... <laughs> probably wasn't what was best for the series because um it effectively killed the series <laughs> it's really hard to have a romance series when you just go into darkness so this is one of the series where like um no one really requests the next book <laughs> <laughs> i have gotten a few emails from readers who have gone through a death especially if they've gone through a recent death and they did thank me because they're like you know not a lot of romance deals with this topic and i found out why <laughs> because it kills the series did you ever watch the um i think you did i think we've talked about this where um oh now i'm blanking on the it's a uh, a christmas movie about charles dickens writing um a christmas carol did you watch that movie what, what the man who invented christmas is that what it's called yes i did watch that movie okay so um when uh when I'm talking with uh, certain authors who know about my my confessions from the dark, they're always like, "Didn't you know not to kill the baby?" And, um, I was like, "No, I didn't actually know this rule." And then I was watching um the man who invented Christmas, and I don't know if you remember this particular scene, but he also went kind of dark on that. And like the the female character, I can't remember her name. Was she a maid or something that was like reading the drafts? I can't was remember. That, am I? something like that and she's like you can't kill tiny tim you can't kill the baby and i was like uh-huh don't do it dude <laughs> it will kill the book yeah so i think that was the time where i really did feel the emotions and i think it was good for me on a personal level <laughs> but the business side of writing a romance series was terrible <laughs> so i don't think i knew this that you killed a baby in a romance book wow it is true that, uh, you know, going through the emotions with your characters can be therapeutic. Uh, I do agree with this. I've actually dealt with a death in one of my books as well, in uh, You're My Kind. And, and it was off the back of uh, one of my friends dying and being at his funeral and meeting up with an old friend who I hadn't seen for ages. Uh, we weren't romantically involved at all, but I just thought I was, you know, nervous about meeting her again. And I thought, mm, imagine if you'd actually, uh, they'd been your first love. Um, so I, I didn't go into it actually with the thing of 
making it particularly about grief but grief does touch on the whole thing because it starts at a funeral and then you know the the two main characters are friends with the wife of the, of the guy that died so it I'm sure that there was some sort of therapeutic stuff in that for me as well. So uh, you can do writing as writing as therapy a little bit. Don't do it all the time because <laughs> don't do it all the time and don't do it too much. All writing is a little bit therapeutic, but don't do it too much because then it can go off course and you can yeah. just <laughs> you can kill a se- you can kill a series or you can just go down um, a rabbit hole that yeah that nobody's going to want to read, especially when you, when you come to romance. On the other hand, if you if you can remember how you felt when someone broke up with you, sort of ten years ago, and you can channel that emotion into a breakup scene in a in a romance, then that can really come through for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the one of the ways you can tap into the emotions you need to, because um, all of us have universal experiences. Um, most of us have had our heart broken. Most of us have had that first kiss. Most of us have remember the feelings of falling in love. And if you can tap into those and get them on the page, it does help get all the feels. But um, don't kill a baby. No, don't kill... <laughs> There's your tagline <laughs> for the episode. <laughs> but I, I would say as well, and I, I would actually echo what you said, uh, in uh, that emotions in writing aren't just... When, when I said, do you feel the love? I didn't just mean the love for love. Um, because basically writing is about emotion. You can't skip emotion. Uh, and I'm, we're not just talking about love and sex. Of course, you need to write those, especially if you're writing romance. Um, but sex scenes are all about emotion. We've said it a million times. Emotion runs through everything. There's no point writing mechanical sex scenes because your reader will get bored. There's no point writing sterile, sterile scenery descriptions because ditto. There's no point writing police lineup descriptions of someone's clothing. You need to write how the colour of the woman's top reminded you of the colour of your grandma's car that she used to zip around town in delivering cake to you every Friday. Or you need to write about how the field smelled of lavender, the perfume that your year seven teacher used to wear, the first woman you ever had a crush on. You need to make it personal. You need to bring the descriptions and uh, what your character sees through their eyes back to them and then describe it with emotion. And, And that's what we mean when we're talking about feeling the love. I just have a question. Did your mm. grandma deliver cake to you? Because that sounds fucking awesome. I mean, I'd love it if she did, but no, I just made it up. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I got chipped on the grandma side. I didn't get a cake delivering grandma. <laughs> uh, you know, my grandma, on the other hand, uh, she, she, was, she was never my grandma. She was my nan. Um, my nan did make the best apple pie in the world. My mum tried to replicate the apple pie. She never got anywhere near it. It was something about the pastry. I reckon she used to put lard in it. I was just writing a scene um, in my new book, uh, Big London Dreams, today, and I think where I had it before, uh, it was going to be in a cafe, and then I changed it to them coming out of an old school, so the book's set in 1958-59, and I got them coming out of an old school cinema, and they're being jostled, and it's late, and it's raining outside, and the cinema is on Tottenham Court Road, and they're getting dripped on by loads of umbrellas, and the pavement's got that smell that it has as the rain hits it, and their feet are getting wet, and they just want to get home, and you can feel the chill in your bones, and that's what that's emotion, that's describing all of that, and then describing how they feel, and the smells, and the sounds, and the tastes, that's what, that's what gets the emotion onto the page, um, and that's what that's what you have to strive for and when you first start out writing you won't always do this um and i mean when you first start out writing anyway but also 
really, like you said, when you first draft, you generally don't do this. It, the emotions for TB and for our, and for me come when you layer lay them on in later drafts. So the first draft is just getting the story down. It's the vomit draft. No one has to see it. But then, then you go back and you read it through, and it hits you what needs to happen or needs to be embellished, and then you you add to that base layer and you add the emotion in and you add it through the character's five senses and you add in the emotion through the setting through the reinforcement of the theme through secondary plot lines that make the reader understand just how much this love story means to your characters i'm talking about romance plots so for instance let's give you an example in mistletoe the surroundings are crisp so christmasy it hurts in christmas and mistletoe uh, you know, you, I'm surrounding people with snow, mulled wine, twinkly lights, chocolates, presents, office parties. Your reader knows how this feels. So then you work in the emotion into the writing through these themes and motifs and you repeat them until your reader can't fail to be hit over the head with that base layer and then they understand the emotions. Yes, I would have to agree. But it is one of those things where sometimes with emotions and especially emotional scenes, less is more. Don't tell the reader how to feel you have to show it. And like what Claire was describing with the raining scene, because I, I was picturing all the rainy days I had in London because there, there's a certain soggy feeling when it really rains in London. And there's a certain feeling on um, the smell and everything. And I was really picturing that. And less is more. Don't want to hit the reader over the head with the feelings. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but... But, but make sure they're there. <laughs> yes, they have to be there, but like you just don't be like... You don't want to, like, tell the reader, you must feel sad now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're not saying, you don't, you don't come out of that cinema and go, I was sad. Je suis désolé. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, when I realized it was wrong, I was like, wow, we fucked that up. Yeah. Totally. We did it for two episodes. Yep, two whole episodes. Well done, us. And, and I didn't realise till last night. Um, yeah, you don't come out of that cinema going, je suis triste because it's raining. No. You you come out of that cinema and you make the character step on a loose paving slab so water splashes up their ankle. And then you just know how they're feeling because everyone's had that. And then you make, like, I've got the character feels in her bag for her umbrella and she realises that she can see it on the hallway table. So then she has to share her auntie's umbrella and then it's not quite big enough. And so like there's drip dripping on their shoulder. So it's stuff like that. It's little details. Uh, but you don't say, I was sad because it is raining. No, that is not getting over the emotion. But I do hate that feeling when the water drips from the umbrella and goes straight down your back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like your collar is just made for that one random drip and it's so annoying. So yeah, so, so emotions aren't just love and sex. Emotion is writing, and if you think that you can't do emotion, you're going to have to get over that. You can do emotion. TB can do emotion. Yeah, if I can write emotions, and <laughs> I am a, the emotional iceberg, per my exes, yeah, you can do emotions, but um, don't kill the baby. <laughs> TB's taking that one for the team, so you don't have to. Yeah, it's one of those things you learn along the way, because, like, I mean, I'm sure we've all had experiences where you do something and, uh, and then you learn, like, oh, that wasn't the best thing. Okay, moving on. But it's all learning experiences. And um, that book did get a lot of love from certain fans, but it's not a bestseller. Fans of, that's for sure. fans of death and grief. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really tapped into that market. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew there was a death market? 
Oh dear. Right. Well, um, anything else? Anything else you want to add? I feel like I should factor in an F bomb, but I'm I'm just not very clever right now. So fuck no. I don't have anything else to add. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, just remember to use your experiences and um, it right because uh, the other thing is everyone likes to think they're unique. Uh, and we all are. We all we're all special snowflakes. But the fact is that everybody experiences similar things. So if you write one of your memories, or one you've heard of, or something that you know you've heard somebody else talk about, always steal other people's things. Um, they'll resonate with readers, and they'll make the emotions sing. So yeah, tell us... remember, readers will also bring in their experiences to the words too. So if you're writing about a yes. breakup, they're gonna you kind of tap into their emotions and pull them along. Yes, absolutely. Uh, everybody brings their own brings their own stories uh, to your stories. So everybody will experience your story differently. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. It's amazing what we do. Sometimes I really do think it is amazing. It's amazing we get them done. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking amazing, TB. Right, <laughs> let us know what you think. Um, uh, do you agree? Writing is all about emotion. It, it's it's true so don't disagree in fact come on disagree come over come over to twitter or our website let's have a fight let's have an emotional fight are you doing the throwdown yes wow. i'm doing i'm doing the throwdown probably got her dukes up. she's ready to battle yes that. yes um so do let us know what you think um and if you if you can't get enough of the feels let us know about that as well come over to the website and leave a comment uh email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com facebook us twitter us instagram me we'd love to hear from you and join us next week when we will be on to our next four week topic and we're going to be talking about spring cleaning for authors aren't we tb Oh man, I have to clean. I just cleaned the litter box like a day ago. Man, more cleaning. Uh, more, more cleaning, uh, but we're off emotions, so that'll please you. Thank goodness, because man, that was hard. I think I almost died on that episode. <laughs> but she's still alive to tell the tale, so hurrah. So, uh, yeah, do join us next week for that. Until then, stay safe, keep writing. Bye, everybody. listening to lesbians who write listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction and you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com also if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast it would help more people to discover us thanks so much and see you next time bye